Hey everybody, this is Seneca. Welcome to Conversations with Myself. Talks between a father and a son, or possibly two twins born 22 years apart. Who knows? I'm going to be talking to Rusty in a minute about will, desire, the will of the mind, the will of the heart, where these different things get us, and how we can have maybe more of one, and maybe a whole lot less of the other. We'll see. Anyway, thanks for coming. Thanks for giving a listen, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Um, as usual, we curse a lot, so if that bothers you, maybe just check out right now. Or if there's people around, get time for some headphones, maybe. All right, thanks. I've been thinking a lot about an idea of um, what is, where do you find the boundaries and what is the difference between, let's say, a will of the mind which I'm very familiar with and has done me an enormous amount of harm, and the will of the heart, which I'm just trying to throw that delineation out there as a starting point maybe for us to talk about how those two different things feel, what they mean, and um, what the context is culturally. Because I, I feel like generally speaking, when we talk about will, we're talking about this Cartesian notion right? Of I, the, I think, therefore I am vibe where everything is kind of coming from the mind and we're directing some kind of intention upon the world. We're really like inflicting stuff. And the more I've been thinking about it, the more I've been thinking that that the whole Cartesian revolution is like maybe the most regressive piece of emotional technology that ever was invented. Like it's the worst idea. It's totally wrong. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in existence because I think that's the stupidest thing to say. And, and yet I feel like culturally, like big picture wise, since the 18th century, when he said that we've all been kind of operating on that premise, the whole industrial revolution is kind of like on that premise, right? On the back of that idea that you just, we can just overtake reality with our will, with our, with our mental capacity, with our technology, with our, you know, and I'm so utterly disinterested in that these days, but it's really interesting to find the line for myself is just to, to find like, okay, I, I don't want to, I don't want any of that. I'm not interested in making things happen. I'm interested in feeling my way along and allowing myself to be a conduit for things to happen. I, no, I'm not trying to say that the, the mind or that kind of mental will, the will of the mind, as I was putting it, doesn't have a role. I think it's a totally great tool. But the way I've been thinking about it is like what I'm really interested in right now is finding those spaces where it's almost like you fall in love with something. You fall in love with an idea or a person or a way of doing things. And you don't have any idea what the structure is going to be to support it. But you know you're going to make that because you've already found yourself moved by some much more mysterious, beautiful internal source well, to, to be somewhere different. This isn't that desire? Well, that's what I'm thinking of as the, that's what I, I'm kind of describing as like the will of the heart. Like, because I, I think it's, a, I think it's still will, but I think it's a diff, it's a totally different motion. It feels so, utterly different. Well, tell me what you think. Pull, I'm just putting I that, just, that yeah, dichotomy I, out there. Okay. I just want to pull back from the abstraction for a second and just make it clear that I am sure you do not mean that the voice it handle the voice emerging from the heart, so called, is actually a physical property. Let me see if I understand what you're saying. Sure. What you're saying is that our emotional life, let's let's call it our heart life, mm -hmm. our that has a language of its own. It's very difficult. I think all human beings experience the difficulty of translating feelings, emotional realities into language. So that's that's a, a significant barrier to understanding F for me inside myself, for you, I know inside yourself, having a large vocabulary, thinking in technicolor doesn't help you because there is oddly some other layer of intelligence that's operating. That is this hard language, the spiritual truth I, language i feel right? like i feel like that's what we call poetry in some ways right it, it, poets have a really good poets are in touch with some sort of ability to do that translating work so you, you can read word for word i'm looking at cheslav milo's book that happens to be on my table you can read his poetry word for word 
and it doesn't really mean much. The language is fairly plain, but the key, you, I, actually, here, this is, I, this is I'm, because I was reading this earlier, I'm just gonna pick this up, and this is a poem that you know really well and I know really well. It's called Gift, it's very short, and it just says, a day so happy, fog lifted early, I worked in the garden, hummingbirds were stopping over honeysuckle flowers, there was no thing on earth I wanted to possess. I knew no one worth my envying him. Whatever evil I had suffered, I forgot. To think that once I was the same man did not embarrass me. In my body, I felt no pain. When straightening up, I saw the blue sea and sails. Okay, so that, word for word, right. like what he's at, the, the actual events that he's describing don't mean shit. But the impact of the poem oh, is yeah. insane. Like, it's very profound. So I, I get what you're saying, and I, I totally agree. I think most of us do have a really hard time. There are, there are artists that, that are in the world, and we, we revere them for, their, for that specific ability that they seem to have to take the undescribable and make it into some sort of communicable. I guess musicians can, you know, some, some visual artists can do it, musicians can right. do it. And some writers do it, as with that poem. I mean, think sure. about the... So there's the, there is the notion of transports of the soul, right? these ideas that transcend language and that somehow people are able to communicate even using the primitive tools of language to one another. Love is fostered by such communications at this really primitive level. Uh, a glance, a touch, uh, the expression of love that transcends words doesn't require them it doesn't happen without a will to make it so mm -hmm. this is a very touchy area because uh, one of the things when we had talked about this that we originally started thinking about was willfulness and desire mm -hmm. so the, the the structural problem with the notion of willfulness as I have been subjected to in my life was that it, there, it's, it carries a huge pejorative, a black yeah, absolutely. negative with it, which says, you're willful, ergo, I can condemn you. You're not collaborative, you're not cooperative, you're not hearing me, you're not something, it's not. It's the big bolus of not in the question of will. On the other hand, without that sort of really determined exercise of will, which I think of as willfulness, mm -hmm. it's very difficult sometimes to get through to the truth of something, whether it's what your heart is feeling, what it does mean, to, to, to penetrate the disguise that is put up by language that keeps us from being uh, truthful with one another, that all of that requires will, and it is all propelled by a desire for something better generally. Some, whether it's you just want to get out from under the foot of the oppressor or you want to be closer to your lover or you want to express your fear about everything, these require this sort of match set, the bookends of desire and will in a way that is really powerful. Yeah. Well, so, okay, the, here's a, to refine the idea a little more that I was having, I, I, I was trying to find, I was trying to find a, different angles to will. And so that, that phrase, like a will of the heart versus the will of the mind, I, I feel like most of the time when we talk about will, we're talking about that, that mental force, that, that particular kind of drivenness that we all as human beings have, that we can exhibit that, that, like I said, does have a lot of utility in distinct ways. But I think when it runs us, it's suffering. There's, there's no, there's, there's nothing good. Nothing good comes out of that. When you're, I mean, I'll just from my own experience, I'm just speaking like, um, you know, so many projects that I have taken on over my life that I've just made happen. I've just forced reality into a certain configuration out of oh, a sheer, yeah. out of a sheer act of will. It doesn't want to be in that shape, but as long as I am exerting myself and exhausting myself, I can force it. It's, like I just said, well, that's it's exhausting. Force of will. That's will, but that's willpower, right? That's what we. That's what we think of in the common it's parlance. Force like, ah. of will, right? Yes, that's where exactly. Comes. But so the op its opposite number, I don't think is like is not will. I think its opposite number. So in that context that I tried to set up, like 
that if that's the will of the mind, what I just described, it feels like the will of the heart to me is surrender, which is not the same as resignation. And I know surrender is a touchy word for a lot of people, but what I mean by it specifically is just like not giving up, not uh, having no drive, not having no ambition, not making, you know, not, not making plans or something like that. But I, but I think culturally we're talked into this position that that's all bad. All that stuff, you know, that's just somebody who's going to go lie in their bed and never achieve a damn thing because they're just fucking, you know. Well, what if what if what you're saying is, <clears throat> what if we sort of plumped that up a little bit and said, and, and added the idea that that type of surrender is a an acceptance, but not an acceptance driven by resignation. It's, it's an acceptance, uh, the sky is blue, you accept that the sun is out because you can see mm -hmm. the sky is blue. These are sort of, in some ways, very different approaches to the notion of surrender, which is I'm not gonna resist what's evident. I, I don't need terribly much effort to interpret it either because I don't, my recruitment powers of my intellect, that the will as an expressed machine to form things to comply with whatever it is I'm thinking, yeah. uh, is, isn't required. So that's, that's the kind of surrender that can, I think, open the way to this kind of, of integrated will that you're thinking of. Because the, what, if, what if desire in that sense was the agent for the will of the emotions? What if it was the direct expression? What if it was sort of the, the messenger uh, the mm -hmm. journey, the sort of journeyman messenger of the heart saying, okay, what we're going to do is feel this emotion, desire, and that will allow us to express our will in a coherent way rather than just approaching uh, a love object uh, or a passion of any kind and babbling. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's that little, um, if that's that knowing that you've that we've all felt probably many times in our life when we've probably run over like a fucking pancake on the highway with our mental will and even though you know how many times how many times have you known something was not right and just oh. blown by that <laughs> and and you had to come back to it because you knew you knew the truth of it a long time ago hey you're still doing with some of these now you know that you've that things that you've known that that oh. that little part of you that's always right that, that you've been ignoring. Yeah, the, the, we all have that, right? We've all had that sensation. I don't even know that you ignore it. I think you do more than that. I think it's much more aggressive than that. I think it's dismissal. Okay. It, it's odd how, well, this is, I can only speak for myself. I have literally been at odds with myself where I knew something fundamentally and kept dismissing the knowledge of it and remained in discomfort or suffering, just plain suffering. Yeah. With my willfulness. And by just de yeah. with my determination and for, and for no reason I can know because who would deliberately opt? <laughs> I would. Let me raise my hand. I think all of us, all of us, sadly, yeah. would deliberately opt. Because the thing is that what it, what the, what our minds, what the will of the mind is constantly redirecting towards is the, the familiar, the patterns that we know that are, for, that are well established. And if those are, as they are for most of us, ingrained in some sort of embodied suffering, some narrative that has us manufacturing the same shitty things over and over for ourselves, well, then you're just gonna end up right back there. There's no other place to go with that, you know? But I think that that, that other voice, that other one that tells you the truth, that you, you just, we all distrust and we, if we don't ignore it, like you were saying, I think another way of saying it is we mistrust it or we don't, we refuse to believe it. Um, that one is like a really interesting idea because I, to me, that's like the same thing that, um, I think Pema Chodron calls it, or maybe many other Buddhists as well, call it the one who watches, right? When you're sitting and you're meditating and you observe yourself thinking, well, who, who's the, who's the I then who's doing the observing at that moment? Well, that entity, that being, that's the thing that doesn't lie to you, that always actually knows the right answer in these situations that we push down and ignore. And that's what I'm trying to get at, I think, by calling it the will of the heart. Like that thing's that thing has I think calling it desire is I don't know. I, I think it's a I think it is a will too. I think it has a will, but it's very uh loving and subtle and 
just doing a thing on a different level and this the will of the mind that that exerting forceful like full of charge and vim and vigor and logic and rationality and all that shit that will just runs over the little typically i think runs over that other voice all right so let's let's use that as a departing point from for me describing a set of circumstances and an objective reality that I think of the vast majority of humans experience some at some point. Mm-hmm. This this absolutely conscious awareness that they have just tread on what is better for them in favor of the willful plunge ahead old story. Let's say that the objective is to somehow develop a courageous heart. Let's just use that word momentarily. How does the how do we transform? I mean, look, I'm I'm in I'm in this moment where having these conversations is selfish. I'm doing this because somewhere I want to be able to say, how do I get to transform my experience so that I'm paying more attention to that smaller voice and acting on its beneficial statement toward me than if I'm doing the same old shit where I'm just circling wagons uh, even though I know better and plunging into a bad idea and investing more of myself in things that I know do not tend to give to deliver me at all anything beautiful or lovely they almost always give me isolation emptiness sometimes deep sadness uh, a sense of failure foreboding all these very sort of shadowy darknesses in the emotional and spiritual house right Mm -hmm. so so in some sense i'm looking for a, a some recipes that help me turn on the lights in the house instead of running down the hall, turning them off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was thinking about, before we started talking, I was thinking about this in context of you and your life. I was thinking about your uh, you know, pretty heavy use and experimentation with psychedelics in your young life. And I was realizing, oh, that's actually, I, I, you know, I, to go out on a not very long limb and say like, oh, I think you knew this from very young that you're in search of this kind of clarity, this, this, this voice, you want, you want to listen to this thing. Yeah. That's not even, that's no limb. That's no risk. (laughs) (laughs) And I I mean, and I mean, I think that in the, in a sense, like your, your, your obsessiveness, uh, your addictive nature, those, those other will of the mind type of things extremely got in the way of you actually exploring those things consciously because they just drove you into volume with those kinds of, you know, I think like plant medicines, a real thing I'm willing to go say, and, you know, I think that there's there's value in those things, but when you blow them out and you, <laughs> if you're eating peyote every day, you're probably no longer going to learn anything from that experience. You know, I and so I don't know. What do you think about that? Does that make sense to you? That- well, I I I I believe. I mean, I st- uh, I will say that the sort of the chemistries of plant hallucinogens for me were the only mind altering substance I ever took that delivered any value to me. Mm-hmm. And it was probably the only time I ever paid attention. And I did it, and I absolutely brought myself to that searching for something. There was deliberate conscious decision to see if I could find magical elements of being in the world. No question, that was a deliberate conscious thing. I did it, I said it, I told it to many people. I told it to you later. Yeah. And, and the only drug I ever recommended that you take as a psychedelic was peyote. And, yeah, and, and I remember very, with some very and, specific and, recommendations that went along with it, how yes. old you should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, and, were, you know, also, which were sensible. But I also remember what you said in a passing remark sometime after that you had had that experience. You said, it's not a teacher you would want to visit very often. Oh yeah. And well, I'm also, to be fair, like I, I am not good with bodily discomfort. <laughs> just yeah. that, that shit is, just hurts to eat it you know like you suffer you fuck you pu- i hate puking i hate puking and there's no way around that there's some puking involved 
And so no, after, I, after me there was just on that on that level alone. That's not what I meant, of course. I'm trivializing, trivializing it. Like where you, what you were getting at is I I I I meant that in the bigger spiritual sense, but yes, I, which I still it's believe a rigorous yeah. encounter. Yeah, that is some heavy shit, and and there's a there's a lot in there. You need some time afterwards to uh, process, accept. Like you need you need to really work with what that thing has to show you for a while. Yeah. Totally agree. So here's the interesting thing that you did hit on, which I think is absolutely right. So I was sort of crawling. I was actually a pretty joyful guy, even though I'd had my ass kicked when I was a kid. I was a joyful kid. I was crawling out. I was sort of on my way, a rapid sort of turnaround to, through consciousness and magic to uh, depth, crime, and near-death experiences, which I visited on myself and anybody who happened to have the misfortune of being nearby. But that period between the time I was 16 and 20 was a wonderful, extraordinary period, which now, th this very day, I was out uh, climbing uh, Abalone, working on that V7, that slopey V7 out there above Jenner. And I was sitting there looking out at the ocean, and I was just stricken mm -hmm. by my fortune, totally riven to the bone by what a lucky motherfucker I am. And that wouldn't have been possible a, two years ago. Just mm -hmm. would not have been on the table. The best thing cancer did to me was make this conversation possible. I, I am in some way transported back to a place where I'm very interested in things that are not driven by careful consciousness, that are not the product of my formalized reasoning, that are not the, I, I do not feel any desire not to challenge any of the story I've got. Any of my story is up for grabs. And the, and the reason for that is right where you started. The heart is making itself known in my life. And it is saying, hey, let's, uh, let's have some love in here. Let's be beautiful. Let's do the, let's do the best for as many as we can, as long as we can. Let's, Let's take all of that prosperity that your intellect does give and spread it around like it was an endless supply of jelly. And everybody could get some on their bread. You know, we could sweeten the world with that. So, in fact, when you start with this idea of the heart's desire, I do understand. I'm not confused by the fact that, you know, it, it doesn't have vocal cords. <laughs> That's that primitive an idea, right? It's the simpler idea that you're that you're evoking which is in some ways stepping around the obdurate deliberate old fascination with control that seems to be the province of the will as expressed in daily life and mm -hmm. uh, donald trump shoving aside the ambassador from <laughs> a, a, another country you know <laughs> but but this is this conversation is much more substantial. And I have to say, when you were reading this Sheslo Milos poem, there's another poem of his, and I'll loosely uh, just translate the end of it. It basically um, is him talking to someone late at night. And in the end, he says, oh, I know exactly which one you're talking about. He says, I would tell you more, but the history of my suffering is long. I am drunk. And the night is yeah, short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More or less. It's called a count. I remember the poem. I don't remember it word for word, but the, the poem is called a count. I just looked at it recently. Yeah, and it, it, it basically, I can't find it that fast, but it basically is exactly what you just described. He's basically like the, the history of my stupidity. He says something right. like the history of my stupidity will not be fully accounted for. For one thing, it's late and I'm tired. Yeah. And I think about this question that we're talking about in reference to that, because you, you, you're, you, in some ways you have to deliberately dismiss the, the, the sort of deeply embedded, if I, I'm sure it is natural, but deeply embedded tendency to, to de basically determinedly hand over authority, authorship, um, and, and the interpretation skills to this will that's running your ordinary life, competitive, hard-headed, uh, dismissive, uh, and, and so narrowly focused that, as you say, 
it steps on this you know small delicate thing over and over and over again that is the will of the heart yeah i'm much more interested in the will of the heart right now and um and and that too requires determined work it's not to say that there's yeah. no Required. Yeah. So let me just read. I found it. I found it quickly. So I just want to read right. the last two stanzas of that because it, it is totally worth thinking, reading, hearing and thinking about. The last two stanzas are. But uh, so he's talking about his his works and his whole history of working. All of them would have only one subject desire, if only my own. But no, not at all. Alas, I was driven because I wanted to be like others. I was afraid of what was wild and indecent in me. The history of my stupidity will not be written. For one thing, it's late, and the truth is laborious, and that's the end of it. So that's it. That the, actually, the end of that second, the end of that first stanza is really interesting to me because I was afraid of what was wild and indecent in me. Because I feel like that's interesting too. Like there are parts of my life that I can recall really clearly where I gave myself permission to actually do a really balanced version of this. And what I'm thinking of is when I was doing a lot of songwriting. When I was doing a lot of songwriting, I realized, like. I don't know, after working on that process, after kind of inhabiting that process for a few years, that things worked best when I, I needed to be out doing something with my body where I could uh, be in a free state. I wasn't thinking. So I would do it when I was hiking because hiking was just right. It was like exerting enough that I wasn't, I was really in my body. I wasn't doing a lot of thinking. I wasn't focused on anything else. And I, stuff would just come like a water glass getting filled up. Like stuff would come, I would hike until it was sort of like full. I didn't think I could remember anymore. I'd go back and I'd write it down. So where was the stuff coming from? I don't know. Don't care. Wasn't really interesting. But I, you know, I had found this interesting methodology where basically every time I could go out, repeat this behavior, allow myself to be the conduit for something, bring the something back. And then with my mind, with the will of my mind, put it down, structure it, work on it. So that was a really interesting collaboration that I think for the most part was very you know, successful for me personally and creatively to allow the things to balance. So the mind has incredible ability. It's really good at making lists and putting structure to things and, and you know, making them. Uh, it's the best editor ever. Yeah, yeah, that's what it, it's exactly what it is, editor, but it can't create, it can't create, or it, it, can't, it can't, all it can create is junk. Like crap, bad, garbage in, garbage out kind of bullshit. That's all I can do. So that was interesting. I realized that I actually, I actually learned how to do that for myself in this one particular area. And then I stopped doing that. I started doing other things. And I never really got back with these other things. I think because it was songwriting and I had in my head like, oh, that's a creative, that's an artistic thing. So of course you can go walk, walk in the woods and get your inspiration. That's, that's how it's done right? But uh, all of a sudden I'm running a business. Well, I'm not going for a walk in the woods to get my inspiration anymore. I'm just like fucking cranking it out in front of a laptop. There's no, there's, well, it's, just there's, like, it's, it's horrible. It's like, it's like the guy says, I didn't let myself do those wild things. That's I right. I was afraid. I was afraid of what was wild <laughs> yeah. and indecent in me. And I think that's where a lot of us get locked in. And that ironically, like realizing that I had been in that place and then like extracted myself from it and put myself back in that fear. Like that fear for me is all about like this story that my ego tells me that I'm lazy. So if I'm sitting around not doing anything, oh fuck, now I'm la I'm being a lazy prick. I'm not achieving. I'm not producing. I'm not, I'm not doing anything right now. Well, of course you're fucking doing stuff. You have to give yourself space to really be able to do anything. You know, if you don't relax, if you don't surrender to those moments, that's not the same as just like relinquishing uh, agency or giving up ambition or not having well, an, an but, idea. But, then, but, but the way that Descartes proposed it was if you're not, if you're not filling the pipe, you're just a pipe. And the, and the absurdity of that is, uh, okay, if there's cool shit coming down the pipe from somewhere, <laughs> That's right. I'm cool with being the pipe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of, so you want me to pack the pipe full of all the only shit that I can come up with? That's fuck. That's going to be nothing. I do not have much to offer, actually. If you won't let, if you're turning off the source material, I think we're going to end up with some really shit results. <laughs> or you get this pipe that makes a great drum. Yeah, right. It's just empty. <laughs> got one tone that it can deliver and that's about it yeah you know the 13 year olds find it and they smoke weed in it but um so <laughs> <laughs> okay that was a reference to my own life um so 
<laughs> I was thinking about smoking pot in the conduit underneath Forest Avenue in Pacific Grove and getting out <laughs> to the edge of it where there's a 40-foot drop to the ocean and just watching, straddling the wastewater and watching the rats scurtle around while you smoke weed and watch the why moon. Did, why did you go down there? there you could have uh, just gone on the beach. It would have been much more pleasant. Because I was crazy as a shithouse rat. What right. do you mean, why did I go I down there? Oh, oh, yes. Retrospect. Yeah. We, we walked through <laughs> those things, too, but I never smoked weed in them. But we, they were st- actually, I think they're still there. You could probably okay. still go do that. Anyway, I, yeah, so I think that's really fascinating, that idea that we can scare ourselves <laughs> out of our best possibilities. You know, we, All right, so we, here's a cool you know. question. How do we scare ourselves into them? So, look, <laughs> I mean, look, I'm no, seriously. Maybe it's not we don't scare, but yeah. what, is the, what is the pathway? How, how, do we, how do we get from the stranded place where will is controlling everything and dismissing anything that doesn't look like it's productive or it doesn't have good formalized edges how do we free ourselves from that encampment and then get moving back to that beautiful place where when you were because i used to think of short stories when i ran it's the same thing they would just come into my mind and i would just love to watch them float around i wasn't trying to grab them um, and then when I went back, if I found something inspiring, I didn't forget it. I was worried about that because I wasn't grasping. Right? I was just having it. And, uh, and it didn't go anywhere because it was in the same, it was in my pipe. You know, it just yeah, it showed was, up. It was already part of you the whole time. Right. Yeah. So how do we, so, so look, my experience today, when I woke up this morning and felt fearful about my decisions about my own life, was mitigated by being in, in nature, in the presence of beauty, and just doing something as simple as climbing, and it gradually receded. However, I would like, apart from meditation, which I've been doing, I would like some other way that excites that sweetness, that you know, that really adds that sort of scent of wildness. Mm-hmm into my life so I can smell it, so I can run after it, so I can throw my clothes off and run through the air. I, how do I do that? I, I mean, well, I, I think for one thing, I think that the, the, the examples that we've both been talking, like I talked about going for brisk walks, you talked about running, and then you just talked about climbing. I think there's something about inhabiting your body and using it in ways that actually like bring you right where you are. I think that ultimately, like climbing for you is a is a meditative behavior, because you can't think about all that other shit. And in fact, when you're in the flow of it, you don't think about even what's the next thing I need to do or where's my foot gonna go or any of that stuff. Like you may sit, you may sit with your mind, with your the will of your mind, and look at the problem and and figure out what you're going to do. But after you've tried it once or twice, whether you succeeded or not, you're no longer doing that. You're in it. Right. You're just in the flow of it and you're behaving. And then, you know, and my experience of doing that same kind of thing with you years ago, you're the most surprised you are is when you fall off and then you stand <laughs> yeah. and you're standing on the ground and you're just like, what, what happened? I, what, yeah. you know, and then you really have to think like, why did I fall off? What and you have to, it takes, it takes a little bit of effort to get back because you were really just right there. You weren't analyzing it. Yeah. And, you weren't thinking about it. Right. You, weren't, you were just actually being it. So I feel like getting <clears throat> those sorts of activities, I think, bring us into, uh, bring us past our discomfort with our own stillness. They bring us into our own quiet in a that's way that's great, very productive. That's a, that's a great phrase. Bring us past our own stillness because the illusion is that we're being busy. The truth is that is actually being still. That's why it feels so crappy. It feels suffocating and imprisoned and rigorous, just like you're in some sort of post-mortem rigor. It's stiff. And that's a very interesting thing. So it brings us past that stillness. That's a cool idea. How do we, how do we like, how do we just like, notice that we're in the stillness and <laughs> step out well no i what I, I that's not what i said i mean what i said was it brings us past our discomfort of being still of being quiet right but the thing is the stillness 
Mm-hmm. I think I think that, that I think that there that, that there is something about we're in this stillness and it's ordinary life. It's it's still still it feels dead. We think we're acting. Oh I no, but I, still. Oh, I don't know. I, that to me is what most people describe as busyness, which is like a cultural value in this day and age. That's being, what I'm saying. But busy. I think that it's actually still. Well, it's it's stagnant. <laughs> Is yeah, that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, stop. yeah. That I that I agree with. Yeah. No flow. Thinking of flow. We were yeah, just yeah, yeah. flow. Okay, okay, okay. All right. I'm with so, you now. So I'm you're not you. in flow when you're busy. You're actually no. totally outside flow. God, no. I mean, somebody just told me a story about somebody they were talking to just yesterday who was going to uh Lanai for a few days. Some this is somebody on the mainland. Um, in the Bay Area where it's, you know, they're technology people are very busy, 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 you know, and busyness is like a Busyness is the new tan or the new or the new fat. It's like what it's what you know. It's what it's what the elites. That, that's your how, value. That's it's, yeah, it's you how are. you it's yeah. how you demonstrate your elite value at this time in that economy. And then economy. you complain about your busyness. Yeah, and that's too. really that's the yeah. that's the statement of your status though is that you have <laughs> you can complain about your inbox being out of control. That's that's status. It's fucking nuts. Anyways, this person was telling this other this friend of mine that he was going to Lanai and and then he was just sort of off the cuff was like, so I'm going to be there for, you know, I'm going to be freaking out for two or three days, but I'm sure I'll get better after that. And she said, why are you going to be freaking out? And he said, well, there's nothing to do down there. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like that's such an indictment of our whole cultural (laughs) value system. There's nothing to do. Uh. But there you go. Like that's it in a nutshell, right? We're all, we have, gotten ourselves in this place where we're so profoundly uncomfortable with quiet. And I think that that, I think we really have to get past that if we're going to make any progress as individuals or as a society or as, as human beings as a whole, if we cannot actually like let in the light and creativity that comes from that source that comes in those quiet moments that comes through those small voices that we all possess, I think we're all fucked. Well, I don't even, I mean, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I just want to stick a fork in that for a second and 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 say I, I'm not I'm not sure we haven't drifted away from one thing. I mean I'm not saying being quiet isn't isn't part of the package of that harmony of the spiritual harmony of the, the heart's desire that or 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 the heart's will. I think the heart I think the heart is trying to saying hey what about me what about me It's like mm. the tiny hands that can barely be seen It's like making gestures. But I'm saying. So being quiet is is part of it, and what's the rest of it when you're, if if you're not being silent because you're so busy you don't notice any fucking thing. Mm-hmm. What is a more direct way? I mean, do we essentially say, is is it something where, okay, so Milos says, there it is, birds in the sky. All he's doing is observing the life he's actually standing in that minute. And he's not commenting on it. He's coming on it later. He's saying, I, I saw this, you know, I was out there and I, and I now remember, realize I saw this. Mm-hmm. Meantime, all he was doing was seeing it. That's right. Yeah. His internal monitor wasn't commenting on the quality of it or anything. He wasn't just saying, Oh, look at that. No, oh my, he was just standing there. It was all going on. Right. He was soaking it in that kind of that kind of quiet, that kind of of stability is something like you said, I absolutely have gotten that from climbing where, yeah. you know, you get to the end and you're like, well, what happened? Um, you literally were so there you weren't there. There was no commentator. There was no observer. There was it was just your life actually occurring yeah. without you pestering it with your endless barrage of meaningless observation about its meaning. Absolutely. So another way we could put this to, to make, to bring it back to a concise little formulation is maybe the will of the heart is fundamentally humanizing. It, it accesses that part of ourselves that is abs- that is open, connected, beautiful, loving, caring, endlessly creative, all that. And the will, right. of, the will of the mind, I think, is fundamentally dehumanizing. It's the, it's that's the kind of stuff that makes pro and con lists and invents industrialization and you know makes efficiency a goal that applies to people for some reason. You know, I would I would I disagree know. with the I would disagree with the dismissive notion of dehumanizing. I think what it is is rudimentary. 
Okay. I, it, I, I it, think those are, look, we're human. We do that. That doesn't make us non-human. That doesn't, it, it doesn't make me less human to be able to build a house so I can have shelter. That's, that's I think, carries the notion of dehumanized and uh, uh, too far. Is my, I'm, I'm objecting to that. Uh, all right. Okay. Fair enough. I think it has, I, I think it has the capacity to lead in that direction. So you, you can't, you know, I think if you have uh, an open and empathetic connection to another human being, like, uh, how would you murder them, for instance? You, you have to like you have to on some level you have to on some level dehumanize in order to have uh, getting okay, back, getting back to our first discussion, right? In order to be, in order to be able to have uh, violence, you know, for instance, exhibited in the world. I think that that process that goes into making those things possible is a process of the will of the mind to me, and not and it has nothing to do with our hearts. Right. Well, I, I, I'm not disagreeing. I am saying though that these. The, the difficulty with the human experience that I understand and you understand and that everyone that tries to, to come to these conversations and some discovery is that it is wildly uh, varied. Nothing applies to it. Absolutely. Everything is, has exemptions and exceptions and side roads and detours and workarounds and cases where it simply doesn't apply in any way ever and we're just fucking wrong. So I just want to make sure that we're cautious when, because look, let me ask you this question. Are human beings reaction machines? Our minds are. Okay, so the answer is yes in some sense. Parts of us, yeah. Right. yeah. So, so, so the, the nature of that reactive machine often says, I'm gonna, because I'm reacting to A, I'm going to make the extreme reaction and just say B is it and A is bad. A is out. It's all B now. Mm -hmm. In other words, I've just replicated what I'm leaving by making all B instead of all A. Big fucking deal. There's no, no, the, the change is putative. So I, I'm saying to you, I want to be cautious when we're talking here that we don't characterize things in ways that strand us with some element of our humanity which is essentially useful and 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 negate its value yeah i didn't no i didn't mean that yeah i see what you're i see what you're getting at i didn't mean to put it that way that simple way in order to negate its value i think it's more about recognizing its tendencies right so that's not to say that it isn't useful. I think that I think the will of the mind is incredibly useful. Like we just said, like if I'm a songwriter and I go out and I walk and I get that beautiful inspiration and I and then I don't embrace the will of my mind, there's there's nothing. There's this right, there's, have, there's this have... transient. All there was was this transient moment that existed only for me. But that's not nothing. That's just what happened. Well, it's okay. You're right. It's not nothing. It's just what happened. But there's no translation to the rest of humanity. I have no right. capacity to communicate that. And so you don't get to enlist the other part, which is the industrious editor, yeah, you know, fabricator. Right. So without both of those, you don't have some of humanity's most beautiful things. You know, if Beethoven writes the symphonies and they're never notated, we don't have the rest of us never get to hear them. Right. He just plays them, and that's the end of it. That would be sad. I, you know, I, uh, I am uh, not a. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not a massive classical music fan, but I think, you know, I think that without da 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 da, where would we be? Like, that's, that's, we would just that's not an amazing. Have, da, 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 come on, you gotta be no. kidding. <laughs> that's no, not even a question. Like it or don't, like it or don't like it aesthetically, like, that's an amazing moment of humanity. Right, but if you didn't have it, you wouldn't know anything about it and you wouldn't be worried. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't know, man. I still think, think there would be. The, I still think there would like, be some kind of profound loss for that. So, but anyway, the point I'm trying to make. I'm just getting into your knickers here, but yeah, I just want to say let's com let's comment on all the shit we'll never know about. Oh my, <laughs> that was a short discussion. Okay. <laughs> so I guess the question is, okay, if we if we stipulate that a lot of artists already have this pattern. And they exhibit it and they use these, they balance out these things. How, how do we get the rest of us? How do we get business people who are locked into these very regressive and reductionist ways of looking at the universe and reality? How do we actually change that and balance it back? It seems to me like that's the question right here is about, we are living in an extremely imbalanced moment of human history. And that's dangerous for us yeah. because 
you know, like we started before the call started talking briefly about climate change stuff. Like if we don't be, if we don't behave, find ways to behave, understand that system problem and behave proactively, then we'll be dealing with an emergency that is actually bigger than anything we can manage and we will perish. That's the likely outcome. So I don't think yeah. that like those kinds of, I don't think the will of the mind is well suited to us getting to some place as a, as the body of humanity to where we can actually proactively do something that changes that. You know what well, I mean? Okay. So, so let me ask you this question. Are you suggesting in that logic that a spiritual awakening or a, or, or, or a, a, a vivid and profound received message from the heart of our selves has to inform behavior or we perish because we're so busy, you know, chasing the shiny shit that we just can't understand the peril we're in. Well, uh, the way I think of it is the, the, the will of the mind is extremely good at dealing with emergencies. It can deal with a short term problem. Yeah, you can only rescue 56 of the 72 people, though. You know, the rest of them are just, they can't get on the boat. Um, so, that's a, so that's a problem, as you say. I mean, that's not, that's not, the, that's not what you want to rely on. Because re human reaction to emergency inevitably leaves significant numbers of casualties. Because we're late. It's, you know, when, by the time it's an emergency, it's late. That's right. And whatever, it's a fire or a drowning or whatever it is, it's late. Um, yeah. So we would like to get there early. And I'm, I'm guess I'm am obliquely suggesting that some spiritual awakening, sort of human spiritual awakening, some summons that the heart can hear, that the desire of the heart can both hear and begin to act on in a grand scale mm -hmm. appears to me to be necessary for us to essentially do a turnabout and self-rescue um, the parts of which won't work if it's just me the mechanics of the, you know, business as usual side of us, because I'll just wait for the alarm bells to go off maybe the third time. Mm -hmm. And by that time, you're right. It may well be um, too late for us to actually do anything. We're very self-convinced about our ability as tool makers, the greatest tool makers in the universe, et cetera. But that's a smugness that I think is denied by a lot of human history where we came up short, we made the problem and then didn't know what to do about it. Three mile Island style. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, in our conversation as we're, as we're going along, I'm thinking, okay, I feel very lucky to be in a conversation where the heart as this beautiful animating aspect of our being gets a, gets more room at the front of the room. Mm -hmm. Gets, gets, a, gets, is is paid more attention to gets a hearing and the tra and the work of translating what it means and wants is given a lot more attention because it it is quite likely is this is my own feeling it's quite likely that that is required or I myself don't really get to enjoy the beauty of that madness that is all of my capability to love and be loved and experience the beauty of the world that I'm in because I'm too busy commenting on it and fixing it and working on it and adjusting things and, you know, fixing the roof, uh, none of which I'm diminishing. But, and I am saying that there is a huge element that we seem to have foregone or has lain quiescent for a very long time that needs more attention. This conversation yeah. for me is a way of doing that. Talking with you, my beloved friend and son, is the way that I get to do that. I am totally thrilled that I get to do that. It's absolutely amazing to me that we come across the sharp glass of time and get to this place, which is back when I was 16 or 17. And this time I can say, I wanna do this deliberately. I wanna make sure that when that hummingbird races at my face, out on the coast, I don't go anywhere. I don't wave it off. I just sit there, and mm -hmm. and see the hummingbird. I don't think, oh my, oh, I'm just sitting there, and the hummingbird comes in. You know that that's something I couldn't do for decades. Mm -hmm. And and I also know there's an additional thing I want to ask you how you feel about. 
Is it the case, do you think, or do you feel, that if we allow that part of ourselves to become more dominant, more expressive, make more noise, the sort of, you know, the absurdity of the notion of the joyful noise, right? That it, that it shines out, that it enriches us to the point where we can enlist others and engage others and be more uh, attractive so that we can get a larger body of our human self and come up with these solutions. Is that part of the magic of this movement, of, of this change in, a, in us? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's a huge part of the picture. Every every single person who can wake up to that reality that we actually have everything we need already. I think the additive power of that is incalculable and it's 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 powerful enough to do anything. So, yeah, yeah. because because yeah, cuz I think the thing one of the agreements that we made was that we're not going to talk about anything that doesn't matter to us emotionally or spiritually. That <laughs> yeah. that that's but well that's a solid agreement. Yeah, I agree. Because otherwise it's just a geek fest. And um, you know, I mean we could be talking about elements of physics or you know what tautology really implies and etc and so on. Yeah. Are we really this, alone in the universe? I'm bummed yeah. out. I'm bummed out by the thought that we're alone in the universe. I what? Have I convinced myself because I've convinced myself and I've understood that my conviction means that I was right? I got to do some math now. (laughs) I have to know. Um, All right. So uh, what I think is cool is is that as these conversations go, um, we're starting to get into some areas that are deeply personal. Yeah. Which is the best stuff. It's the best stuff. It's, I mean, that's where I, that's where I am in my life right now. I have very little interest in anything that doesn't get to those places. I really don't care about talking about technical details of things or stuff that used to actually really turn me on intellectually. I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I'm so no. uninterested in it. Come so, on. Yeah. Technology is so... It's so fascinating. Oh, it is. It's so fascinating. But at the same time, I'm realizing actually built skills. So similar to what you were saying, I'm realizing like a lot of the things that I have been interested in, like you don't know what you're, you don't know why you're accumulating what you're accumulating until you can look back on it and go like, ah, God, I knew I had, I picked this up for a reason. Right. So I was thinking about this in the context of um, what we were saying about poetry, for instance, like that, that capacity to actually take pre-linguistic feelings and somehow translate them and bring them into a moment where we can share them. And you can get some, you can get some feeling for what I'm feeling, right? That's a, that's an amazing skill. And actually I was realizing that, so I I trained in philosophy in my undergraduate stuff. And I was realizing that's what philosophers do all the fucking time. They do it in this kind of head gamey, annoying way, but they're, a lot of times they're looking for solutions for talking about stuff that's around a corner from real, from present the reality that we currently share. They're trying, they're going, trying to get over there and point at you something that they can only just barely see and you can't talk about yet right. at all because they don't you know so like uh, you know there's heidegger talking about dasein you know the, being there right and he's, he's actually expressing some you know he's two thousand years late but he's expressing some basically buddhist ideas in my opinion about what he's encountering but he's he's trying to concoct an evocative language for to describe it that allows you to be present with his ideas. Well, what about Wittgenstein? <laughs> well, okay. Well, he's talking about language itself a lot. But anyway, <laughs> the point being, like, I didn't realize that actually, like, doing these close readings of these incredibly difficult texts for a long time at that part of my life, actually, it's I have no intellectual interest in it right now, let's say, but I have a lot of emotional interest. And actually, it's the same kind of work that when you get to talking about these kinds of things, like I'm trying to say will of the heart, will of the mind to make these delineations so we can talk about something. We're doing the same kind of work, fundamentally. We're, yeah, we're trying to make these, these poetic references to things that are a little bit behind a screen from our everyday reality most of the time, which yeah, is cool. I, I think about vision. If, if, you, if you right now... I'll do it and you do it. If okay. right now you're looking at the screen, you see me, I see you, I see the microphone, I can tell you everything I see. It is incredibly small. <laughs> everything I see. My peripheral vision cuts off like 
there. I, I can't see my hands <laughs> right there. So that means this little orb around here, it doesn't even go down to the center of my, I can't even see my stomach from here. I mean, that's how completely small uh, my universe is right now, uh, all the time. It's that small. And I'm out telling myself, yeah, I got a handle on this. I understand the world. Is it, you know, act? I can, I can see you. Shit, that's because you're right in front of me. If you went over there, I wouldn't know anything about you. <laughs> so, so, so the idea of what the, this, the, like the classic question in physics, is the philosophical question is the same as right. What, what's in the boundary? Well, it turns out the boundary is everything, and this is practically nothing. So, so the beauty of that is you can always turn towards the left or the right, and you might catch a glimpse of the thing that was moving over there anyway. You might not ever see it, but if you just keep turning, you're gonna see more and more and more and more and more of what was invisible to you, and the, this conversation is exactly the same thing. We are totally permitted, and it is a beautiful opportunity that we have as humans to be able to continue to excavate our experience and learn more about it. I don't think that ever stops. However, I would say one thing that I am very excited by that comes into this conversation a couple times, which is this. My sense of wonder got turned way down. When I was 16 to 20, I probably had it turned up to 11. I was screaming in that. Mm -hmm. And then, for reasons that don't need to be belabored, I, I didn't turn it down a little, I just went and turned it back down to two. And then gradually it got turned down to like one-tenth of one. <laughs> and now, you know, after the visitor, it's turned up to like six. And I'm saying, this is not loud enough, dude. You should be able to really hear this shit. <laughs> so <I'm laughs> Why 11? Well, but why, not just, why not just have it at 10 and make 10 one louder and just have that be the top number? Right, isn't that spinal tap? Right. <laughs> what did he say? He says because this one, this one goes to eleven. This one goes to eleven. <laughs> Perfect. Well, so of I course, think, yeah, eleven I, is better. Think, it's one better. I, I don't know about the eleven, but I do know that <laughs> that you know, screaming into a beautiful sense of wonder. Here's the interesting thing: when I was a kid. The Catholics in particular were really fine on this pejorative. They would say, ignorance is bliss. It was a total put down. It meant if you were dull, you were happy. It was the classic put down of the proletariat, right? But I later realized ignorance is bliss because ignorance is the constant opportunity to know more. The fact that you realize in, off, over and over and over again that no matter what you know, there is this vast stuff that you don't know is basically being stunned, brought to your knees by the wonder of all that cool shit that you might be able to find something out about at all. Mm -hmm. Today, watching a raven today pretend to be a buzzard, and the buzzard's going, oh, I'm not sure that's like one of us or not. It was great, and he bullied the shit out of these buzzards, and he was just discovering, yeah, I got this, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, and he landed on the ground where the buzzards had been, and just started strutting around, and the buzzards wouldn't land. Because he was just owning it, you know? So I want to, like, own wonder a little bit. I want to get, get that back, you know? <laughs> Give me some wonder. Send it in. <laughs> Anybody that hears this, send in some wonder. And I'm not talking about candy bar.
song was from Juana Molina. It's called Lo Decidi Yo. And it really made me think about that idea of wonder. Just openness, spaciousness, desire, beauty, love. Give me more of that. I'm so tired of the mind. I'm so tired of all this thinking and rationality and forcing things into configurations and efficiencies. Ugh. Done. That's not what the world needs from us. If we want the world to be beautiful and open and have a future, frankly, I think we all got to get more in that space of connecting to our own sources so that we can share the real beauty that's actually inside all of us already. We just got to let it out. We all got to be thinking about ways to let it out. Thanks for listening. Hey, look, I'm going to be traveling this summer for a while, and I'm not sure if we're going to be able to record these on the road or not with me and Russ. So, uh, not sure when the next one of these is going to go up, but please keep a lookout. We will be back and stay in touch. If you want to email us, just use my email, S-E-N-E-C-A-K-L-A-S-S-E-N at gmail.com. Be in touch. Let us know what you're thinking, and we will see you again. Thanks. Bye.